Hello and welcome to our last edition of Editing Aloud for 2019. It's been a momentous year and certainly a momentous week of load shedding, which at one point reached stage six for the first time ever. Um, look, can you remember, President Cyril Ramaphosa has come all the way back from Egypt to visit Megawatt Park. What can he possibly hope to achieve at this stage? Well, that's, that's an interesting question, Hilary, considering that I think when we did this last version of this program, this time last year, we were actually probably having the, exactly the same conversation because I think we load shedding started early in December last year and then it stopped halfway through and then January, and then we had like, hence we had a terrible first quarter. So if it couldn't be solved over 12 months or even 12 months before or 12 months before so i'm not really sure it that, looks if anything like what quite a lot worse well, well, in well, fact. yeah exactly so well, what what then could be done in one day or in 12 hours or in one meeting after that hadn't been able that what they didn't been able to do like in, in a couple of years even a decade if you take it back all the way to 2007 when it started so it is a bit I mean, it does seem a bit of a show, doesn't it? It does seem a show, but the, 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 the country seemed to want it, Ron Dobby. Mm. I mean, I guess that's the, the, the populist thing, like, oh, the president must come back and lead. But maybe we should, we ask a different question. What literally could Ramaphosa come back and do for ESCOM? The situation is what it is, and it's a, it's a maintenance issue, that, or if it's going to be with wet coal. I, and if anything, it's probably yeah. more apt that he's in denial. <laughs> exactly. So, that, I, I mean... I mean, this issue we've had over the past, I was thinking about next year will be our 12th year where load shedding has been a, a feature of the South African economy. 12 years where we have not come to find a solution of how to get over the maintenance backlog and how we deal with this debt issue. So him coming back for me is like neither here nor there. It's funny, I saw the picture in the, uh, this is meeting, meeting Gwete as well as uh, Praven, and there was no the finance minister Tito Mboen. Why personally, I think fundamentally it's about ESCOM's debt. There's no, because that's actually has affected maintenance, right? The fact that they've taken money to pay off their interest payments instead of maintenance. And if we don't deal with that 450 million, a billion debt, there's no, like next year, there's, there's going to be low shedding. There's just no doubt in my mind that it will be there unless there is a fundamental uh, decision made about the 450 billion. And there's, in February, there's a, a budget statement coming out, I mean, the, our budget speech, where the Moody's were looking at us. And I think fundamental to all ESCOM's problems is Treasury and how you're going to deal with the food. But it, is a, it's, it doesn't belong to ESCOM. It's not an ESCOM problem. It's our problem. All of us sitting here, and we see it through this maintenance thing. And that's telling to me that, God, they're not there. And so the, the person that should be in that meeting is uh, Finance Minister Kwete uh, and uh, alongside uh, Praveen, not the President. The President can go on and do his duties in Egypt, as the case may be. And in that meeting, he wasn't there. So I. No, it says it's for Twitter sphere, and everyone be happy. The president's here, actually, not to be happy. They even get more grumpier because now he's back. People are saying, "Why is he back? What can he do?" Like, Why is he not solving the problem? Yeah. I'm going to cross anyway, to Sikonati Manchanta, who has been at Megawatt Park for quite some time, waiting for the president to brief the media. Uh, Sikonati. Why have you been waiting for so long, and what is it that you are waiting for? Hillary, we have been uh, we waited for three hours uh, for the president to start uh, briefing the media together with the public enterprise minister and with the energy minister. They locked themselves together with ESCOM's management and board meeting in a meeting for uh, and the board in a meeting for three hours. Uh, the media had been called by ESCOM for a ten o'clock briefing 
which did not happen. But interestingly, the presidency's communications unit, uh, in its communications, said there would be a meeting starting at 10 at ESCOM. So uh, the, 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 that gets lost in the detail and the translation. ESCOM calling a media briefing at 10, and the presidency saying there will be a meeting starting at 10 with the leadership of ESCOM and the ministers. Sikonati, does this, I mean, is, does this make a broader point to us about a sort of general shambles in, in, in the way that it's been handled and communicated? It's a total shambles. Uh, as you can hear the noise in the background, I am still at ESCOM and the people are just standing around. Uh, it's, a total, it's a total mess uh, in the sense that nobody seems to know, uh, rather the, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And, and uh, we, we, we just, it, it, it's a chaos, it's, it, it's a symbol of this economy and the state of affairs in which South Africa is at this point. What would you hope to hear from the president when he finally does emerge with his cabinet colleagues from this meeting with the ESCOM leadership? Look, the, the, the only thing that would be worthy of the time uh, that we have spent here and all the damage that has been caused to the economy of South Africa and the people would be for the president to announce new capacity uh, uh, for example, to say we will commission new power stations or new uh, the, the next round of IPPs by this time next year. Uh, we, we will have new capacity coming on stream because the problem that we have right now is that 50% of ESCOM power stations are not working. No matter what you do, uh, we, we need new capacity. I don't know if Cyril Ramaphosa is going to make that announcement together with Kwete Mantashe. Remember, Kwete Mantashe is the person that has the, the, the legal authority to sign off and, and procure new capacity. If, this, if we don't have any additional emergency capacity coming on stream in the next 12 months, then uh, it is not worth uh, the president even coming back from Egypt. Thank you very much, Sikonati. Rob, the, the, mining, the Mineral and Energy Minister, Gwede Mintash, I mean, he actually announced some time ago that he was going to look go out to procure a sort of emergency power. And yet this idea seems to meet significant resistance, uh, including from the minister himself. I mean, what is, what is the issue here? Well, I mean, there are different, different factions that want different things, which is why government seems paralyzed. We have been able to deal with the main issues at ESCOM. Uh, you know, as, as one of um, the directors said last week in Parliament, you know, we have so many issues at ESCOM where, where the political leadership isn't taking the tough decisions. We have 15,000 people at ESCOM who shouldn't be there. We have a, a restructuring that needs to happen but won't happen because the unions are effectively holding hostage. And you have politicians who are, I suppose, subject to different, different agendas from unions, from different political factions that don't want that to happen. So you have the stalemate and nothing's happening in the interim and we have this situation because nothing has happened for such a long time. I do think that, I mean, it seems to me as much, Lukanya, a, a people problem and a management problem as it is um, a sort of resources problem. Oh, definitely. Like, in terms of ESCOM, I also like, the, I mean, I think you mentioned, Sigurnati mentioned the communication problem. I mean, it's still quite shocking when you think end of November, 28th of November, ESCOM said there would not be any load shedding. And they did indeed at the, the release of financial the, results. They the, weren't the, planning any load shedding. Oh, they weren't shedding. planning any load How shedding. How little did they and, seem to I mean, to as trust. a customer, you would read that to mean no exactly. load shedding. And then, and then two weeks later, to have like stage six. I didn't even know what stage six was. I thought we were just scrambling to find out. You know, there's a case you know. for saying, and some people are starting to say this. Um, 
why not, if the, if the issue is maintenance, and if the issue is needing space for maintenance, mm. I'm not convinced that it is, because we keep doing maintenance and it doesn't get any better, but nonetheless, mm. if that is the issue, why not have predictable permanent load shedding every Monday, whenever it is? Mm. Rondo, is there a case, if uh, put uh, one just an excellent case, I mean, and then put it down with the new CEO when he gets in, let, a, let, let load shedding be a feature of the South African economy. Clear. Like, do mm. not s sell this... Uh, As it is of some other economies. Yeah, exactly. Do not sell this mirage that we don't have a, any problem. We do have any problem. So if that takes uh, a full year, put a, a timetable out there. And even when you have sufficient supply of energy, still keep to your, to your schedule and just give that predictable, uh, th 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 I mean, that certainty that the South African economy hasn't had, as I say, over a decade, right? And if you almost put that in as a package of, when you come to invest in South Africa, I mean, the president's running around the world trying to get investment. You know this is the South African economy, that they have predictive uh, load shedding until, to a point where if it's a six-month plan, whatever, the new CEO comes in, six months we need it. And then after six months, turn key and say, fine, everything's up and running, and this is how we are. But this thing of we're going, we're fine, and we pu we're pushing to the extremes, and then, and then we're almost on the brink, mm. that is unpredictable. That small businesses can't operate on that. Any, any That's small mines not mines, sending the ship yeah, down. Exactly, yeah. but yeah. if mines know that there's no power between this time, they know, okay, operationally, we cannot operate between those times. And they'll fit it into their mechanics. Actually, you might find, even in that dire position, you could produce economic growth. Rob? But even within that, I do think Guerta mm. Mantasha needs to make a decision on the IPPs, the independent power producers, who are willing and ready and able to provide power to the grid, but haven't been able to because Guerta Mantasha hasn't signed the documents on his table. I mean, that is the most staggering example of paralysis that is holding the economy to... Speaking of decisions, though, I'm going to do a little bit of a segue here to... It's expensive. Yeah, do they we, have the money? We, we, money? We've had in the past week the business rescue of... of South African Airways um, and putting PRASA under administration. I mean, I'm not sure that these were decisions that anybody actually made as opposed <laughs> to decisions which were forced upon them. But are there any positive signals here, Rob, in your view about government coming to grips with the reality of our ailing SOEs? Well, I suppose the, the, the best case scenario is that government has, f has had its hand forced and seen the grim reality of what happens seen at the what side happens of if it. you don't take decisions. And, and I do think that the anger, has, the anger from the public has shocked them. I think people like Pravin Gordon, for example. The anger yeah. over Eskom, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's, had a, he's, had, he's been commended as this hero against state capture, justifiably, but now he's facing the grim reality of the anger over Eskom. So I think, that, um, I think that is something that has startled a lot of the government leaders, and hopefully that should prompt them into action. But the question is, you know, the, can, is that enough to force them to do the, take the hard decisions that they haven't taken for 15 years? And I'm not sure it is. Look, Anya, what impact on the economy? Oh, I mean, I think, like, I mean, we started with the first quarter, right, where we had that horrible number, which has mainly due to what load, load shedding. shedding. Minus and, three. Yeah, and, and then also, obviously, there was a strike as well with the, the, the AMCO strike and recovery. Now we're looking for 0.5% growth. And I don't think we will we'll be getting that you now. We'll be lucky I mean, to the, get zero. I mean, the question now is whether or not we actually we have a negative number this quarter. And surely then, surely it's a given that we've now got a negative number this quarter. It's not sure whether it's a given, but, but it's probably a given that we don't get to 0 0.5 overall for the year. But, but if we do get a negative number, obviously that means we have a, another recession. So that means less than two years into his presidency, Ramaphosa would have had two recessions. I mean, that, that is quite <laughs> not, not a record, I think. We haven't yeah. actually had a negative year, as mm. I recall, for mm -hmm. quite some time. So it's been called almost, ex almost escaped. Just we've got, we've got not something we should aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed. Yeah. Half a minute to go. Mm. I mean, what, are the, what would 
be the impact of the, the actual full year 2019 going negative economically? Well, I guess that's a hangman. February, we, we know that uh, Moody's talks about growth, right? Being a big uh, determining factor now going forward with their decision. So that's uh, February. Yeah, Moody's downgrading us to full chunk status, right? Almost automatically, right? They say they'll have to, given what they've been saying all along. You have to, be, the for their side. own credibility. It's, uh, on the plus side, that looks like such a foregone conclusion. It might not have that big impact on markets. One bit of good news is inflation reaching a low which it had not seen since 2010, 3.6%. How did we get so good? And does this mean that the Reserve Bank should come to our rescue? Well, really, that, that can also be debated sometimes whether or not it's a good thing or not. I don't want to be always be the one who's negative, yeah, but, but, but part of the reason we have inflation is, is, is due with our, with our weak economy and sort of the lack of demand. Oh, so the low inflation, <laughs> far from being a good sign, <laughs> maybe so you've, got a, you've got so little demand in the economy. I mean, you've seen how, like, all the retailers have struggled. And we've, I mean, this come, probably, like, I mean, we've, we've had some support in terms of oil prices not being as strong as, as maybe they've been in the past, so maybe they, this, maybe this might turn around anytime soon, but, but actually, in terms of local petrol prices, they've actually been going up, so, so maybe an argument can be made that, you know, that these high prices actually end up acting as, a, as an extra tax on the consumer. So even though, like, generally speaking, you would think, like, oh, we're paying so much more for petrol than we did six months ago, therefore inflation should be higher, but it, it isn't. Maybe it's just a sign that and, and, and there seems to be a growing chorus of voices for the Reserve Bank to cut at its, well, its next meeting is in January, so which is just before the budget. Mm. Would you be on the side of the cutting yeah, or the holding? I suppose like, it depends on how they would view it. I mean, because obviously, like, people, us as consumers, we tend to look backwards. We tend to look, oh, inflation was 3.6 last month, therefore they should cut. Whereas like, they're looking at inflation 18 months, 24 months from now. And if you look at the Reserve Bank sort of like uh, in focus, they're still like looking at inflation average well above 5% next year, closer to, closer to the top end. So they might argue like at those kind of rates that it doesn't give them enough room. But then on the other hand, their focus this year was so out of whack. I think, I think our average probably is probably closer to 4% or something, whereas they were looking for something more above 5%. So Ron Dobby, the next Monetary Policy yeah. Committee meeting is in January. Mm. They're sitting, waiting for the budget. Yep. They're waiting for the fourth quarter growth numbers, which mm. will tell us how bad growth is. Yeah. They're waiting for the Moody's update mm. after the budget. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Reserve Bank, what do you do? Well, if, I'm, if I put myself in the current view of this Conservative Bank, they probably will not cut interest rates, unfortunately. Right? But they'll be thinking about, you know, Moody's comes and there's a, a reduction, a reduction as to junk, there's going to be a RAN fallout and just having the, 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 the RAN, so it's a supportive thing for the RAN coming up. But uh, I'm, I, mean, I, I would cut interest rates, right? But the thing is, we are a position now, uh, someone, I spoke to someone over the past week where if you are, uh, we want investment in the South African economy, but money is, would you invest in an economy that's growing at under 0.44% or keep under it in- any circumstance. Yeah, or keep it in the you? bank with those high interest rates, right? What would you do? Like just on that basis alone, keep money in the bank. So as it stands right now, uh, I mean, I, I know we talk about monetary policy not being, we shouldn't use that too as a lever for growth. It's all about fiscal policy. But fiscal policy is, is what it is. There's, there's no space for more any, uh, the finance to do anything for the, for the economy right now as it stands. And inflation is under control. The big bear is down. So do something. Like, no, so, Rob Rose, what does junk look like? I mean, because this is really the year where once again uh, growth fell out of bed, the fiscus really fell over. Um, 
once again, as we did in the very late stages of the Zuma administration, we now look once again at being junk all round. So what does that look like? Well, I mean, at, at, at a briefing a few weeks ago that we were at, the, the Reserve Bank governor was saying that he doesn't, he thinks that, thinks that it's largely priced in the fact that we're already seen as junk status compared to So it's 2020 like the year of junk. Yes. Absolutely. But, you know, and that might be true in some of the financial markets and the impact on the banks might not be that profound, but I think it'll have dramatic impact on on uh, our businesses, our investment, our currency. I think there are all these factors that haven't been priced in um, to the extent that they should have. Um, and I think that there's going to be a, a massive, uh, there's a sentiment issue for one thing. There's never mind the bond, the, you know, the bond indices would fall out of. There are other issues I think that'll you haven't Whatever the in. market is telling us in bond yields or currencies or whatever, the, the, the hit to confidence yeah. of a Moody's downgrade. I was speaking to one of the yeah. asset managers who was saying that when it comes to corporate scandals, you know, you think, oh, well, it's okay, but actually it's always worse than you think it is. And I think that's the situation with junk status. We say, you know, sure, it's pretty priced in and there shouldn't be too much of an impact, but I think it'll always be worse than we imagine it will. Lucanio, you don't yeah. seem entirely... No, no, I, t I totally agree, especially on the psychological impact. I, I don't think we can underestimate that just in terms of the... I mean, I mean, it's a bit strange as well. Like, you know, if you think 10 years, I mean, you've also been doing financial journalism for a long time. The long time when you mentioned ratings, Moody's, and, uh, and like, you know, people who know what you're talking about. How many times <laughs> did we write the same yeah, yeah, yeah. story? But yeah. now, you know, like, you just go to speak to your friends and they know what Moody's is, they know what junk is. So, like, so, 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 like, you know, so there, it is going to be that sort of. So, um, is um, no um, longer um, a brand um, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's sort of like emotional impact just, just not just on businesses but also on people out there because people like you know, it just fit to the gloomy picture but in terms of the actual immediate impact on markets I mean that's, that, that's, that might be a bit more debatable because you could argue that I mean, South Africa's risk premium is already quite high as it is so you could argue that it's priced in a lot of this junk for example our 10 year yield is what 9.2% in Brazil, which is actually junk already, is like, only like six pence. Brazil is way junk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, mm -hmm. I mean, Ron Darby, is, is it a, I, I'm thinking, is it a question of just junk or is it how many notches below junk? Mm -hmm. Are we talking ourselves into too much gloom here or is it justified? I know, I, you know, you spoke in the first half of the, first of the, half of the show about SAA and going into business rescue and uh, PRASA, the uh, administration, and you see the talk about this welfare uh, expenditure being reined in. So. Uh, I think there's a harsh way. I mean, we, I don't think we'll slip. I'm, I'm hoping that moving into junk will just be that uh, the final nail in the coffin, and then from then on we'll at least stabilize it. Moody's has been kind to us, right? We're not Venezuela. Right? We're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not. Uh, the whole idea that we're comparing us to anything like Venezuela, and we spoke earlier on, but the global global growth is not great. And in any case, there's, there's not many places where people's money can flow to where they find greater growth uh, over and above South Africa. So everyone's, well, except for that, we have the U.S. and so on, but. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping, this is, jeez, I'm going to maintain positive sentiment. Uh, We're going to kind of track we will, positive Yeah, we will move into junk right. yeah, next oh, year uh, after the, the budget. And, and SA going to business rescue, at least then you know that Treasury is not going to be like faffing about giving more money to Treasury until Treasury stabilized. I mean, SA gets some business plan going for it. Price are the same. I could be slightly My, more positive than yeah. that. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we should necessarily take it for granted yeah. that we will go to junk. Yeah, also Moody's have shown themselves not to be swayed by just popular, like, no, people have been going. I think uh, like facts yeah, and yeah, GDP. You know, they actually like, they, I mean, they've, they've, they've got their modeling and they've got the way they look at these things. Otherwise, they would have followed the others two years ago. Yeah. So like, I don't think we should take it for granted that we are definitely going to be downgraded. But we, maybe we you might, mean the delusions we, we, might linger? We, 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 might, we might show them just enough, just enough. Actually, <laughs> I'm not, you mentioned SAA. I know we, we, we haven't actually had a show till since it went yeah. into business mm. rescue. Mm. Um, I mean, should we take it for granted there will be an SAA in, in six months' time? 
I mean, business rescue sounds to me more like an orderly liquidation, oh, as I wrote in my yeah. column last week, than, than an actual turn the place around, which we seriously failed to do. SAA was a private company. Yeah, I would, would always say business rescue, and then it would come back, and someday they sell it all up, and it's gone, right? Yeah. But this is a quite a different equation where mm. the mandate is from the government. So government doesn't, at the end of your 12 months, then wherever you are, a business rescue practitioner, I don't think they'll, they'll, they're not going to buy a plan that says, okay, sell it. That's not going to happen with the state, and that's so that's going to be interesting how they react to the final plan or going forward. They say, and, and whether they have any power, because that's yeah. going to be an interesting it legal is thing. So but Rob Rose, I'm just, I'm going to sort of, oh, your cover this week is on house prices. Speaking of uh, you know, the economy tanking, um, so are house prices. I mean, it's in a sense this is this is what's happening in the real economy. What has happened to house prices, and is there any prospect? they will recover anytime soon. Well, what's interesting is that it's, it's gone, house prices have been rising steadily for years. Um, this year we saw something quite unique in that those luxury suburbs like, you know, Westcliff, like Camps Bay, that sort of thing, actually they saw house values, house sale values decrease. In the, the top, top end yeah, of in the top end. Yeah, in the top end. I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you were being positive, not negative. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, those, those housing prices have decreased, which, is, which tells you a lot about the pressure on all tiers of our society. Um, overall, I think house prices rose 3.6%. 3 which which is exactly in line with yeah. inflation, as it so happens. But next year, I think it's going to be a lot tougher. Um, they saw far fewer sales last year, this current year, than, than previous years. Um, those high-priced properties, you know, selling for more than, say, three or six million, I mean, those things stand on the market now for a long time. Houses struggle to sell. How important are foreigners in that mix? Well, I mean, does this tell us something about foreign interest in, in the real economy in South Africa? Well, I mean, for example, um, the story we wrote about, which is on our cover this week, is the highest priced, highest valued sale this year was an 85 million rand purchase of a property in the City Bowl, the largest ever in the City Bowl, by a German businessman. Uh, this guy bought it though because it was a 35% or so discount to what the original asking price. It should have been 100 and something. 120 million is what it was on sale for. So these guys are thinking you can still get good properties in places like Cape Town, which is still a good a good tourist spot, at a massive discount, and the rand has also contributed towards that discount. So we have we have that scenario. You do find a lot of foreigners still buying into into Cape Town and South Africa primarily because it's so much cheaper than it used to be. Um, Ron, just looking back over 2019, yeah. I want to use the last few minutes of the show just to like, what were your kind of, what are the top three big stories of 2019 for you? And um, give us one thing you're gonna, you think is going to be the really right. big story in 2020. Okay, two will be politically related. I don't like politics much, but I will. So it was the election, right? Uh, uh, the bad performance of the, the DA and the implosion of the DA. So those are two political. So it's Cyril's victory. Well, I don't know if it was a good victory anyway, but the decrease in the ANC, but the implosion of the opposition. I, I think opposition parties are in real trouble uh, going forward. So that's a, a, a 2019 big story. Oh, yeah. The implosion the, I mean, of the opposition. The opposition okay. Before Cyril, when the opposition was on a, on a canter, you could see under Zuma, like, wow, but there's an opposition so building and growing. But that implosion. And what are your second year. and third big stories? All right, so one and two. And then. Uh, that's one and two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, the and an implosion, and you see, yes. it almost we, we all predicted this. I think in these shows that this was going to happen to DA after Cyril wins, and it happened as we predicted. We well yes. done to us. So what uh, is and the third one would be 
I love, I love ESCOM because ESCOM is our economic risk. All, our, all budget speeches should just be about ESCOM, ESCOM, ESCOM. It is it. ESCOM is the number two uh, biggest no, topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rob Rose, I'm going to let you in. So Quickly, a big story I think for next year, I think, would be um, the, the tension with the unions once they start making um, moves on ESCOM. What's and and on the year? public sector web. Absolutely. So I think yeah. that has to happen now. And I think Tito Mbawini knows this and he's proved unyielding in SA, which is a good thing. So I think that next year we're going to see a lot of tension with the unions and potential strikes. Um, but in, in a sense, that, that pressure cauldron had to, had to burst open, so it's a good thing. Um, I think dealing with junk status will be another one. Um, and okay. then I think that the, the efforts by the JSC to reinstall trust in our corporate sector will be the third one. Look, I know you've got like the last word, but in really a very short okay. space of time, so you can kind of give us your take on next year. I, think. To, I suppose to avoid repetition, I would say, I mean, to looking at the monetary policy, like uh, you know, the Reserve Bank is away for like five weeks. Uh, as, you, as you said, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to whether they can help the economy or not, like with inflation structurally maybe at the bottom. I don't know whether like, it's going to go up or not. And obviously, like if you take it outside this country's borders, we always have Brexit in the UK and what kind of mess. Brexit, uh, the, the, we the, have the, 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 We election, are never, ever short tomorrow. of things to talk about. Like, that's probably end up being, who knows, like Boris is supposed to win, but what if it's another hung parliament? Then there's another, what, another year of not knowing what's happening the next day. Well, <laughs> at least we are all yeah. set for things to talk about next year. So have a very good break and come back and join us early in January.